0: Hey everyone, it's Keith. I'm back after a bit of a hiatus, I suppose. I haven't recorded, or rather, I haven't published a podcast in a few weeks, and I have to apologize for that. I'm a little embarrassed by my continued failure to properly self motivate and self discipline here. My excuse this time around is having traveled. I took a trip, the first little vacation I've had in five months, and it was great, but it took a lot of my energy leading up to it, being on that trip, and then recovering from that trip subsequently. It's been several days now since I've returned, and I finally feel up to the task of recording this podcast. I went to Miami, Florida with a handful of university friends for Memorial Day weekend, which is like the unofficial kickoff of the summer in the U.S. And we had a ball. It was like, well, it was a bender. We were partying for five nights straight, basically. And it was just a lot of fun. I feel rejuvenated from it. I feel a bit exhausted when I take uh, stock of my body and my health. And it really does put me into like a state of, I don't know, questioning what to do next, how I feel, where I'm at, taking stock of my life. And travel tends to do that, which is why I actually love it so much. You know, it really shakes things up. I, I wasn't exactly in a rut before this, but I did feel like I needed something. And I think a lot of us feel that way and my prescription is to travel, full stop. I just think it's a great idea to do that. And I wanna talk about, I wanna I want just unpack this idea of traveling and I'll use my recent trip to Miami as an example. My basic thesis here is that travel is great for two main reasons. It's rejuvenating and restorative and recreational and it recreates the soul if you will. And it also teaches you about the world. It gives you knowledge about specific places and regions and people groups and cultures. And that leads to wisdom and experience in life. And I just am a full believer in these two concepts of basically fun or a Dionysian hedonism and wisdom, truth-seeking. And travel just embodies these two things really, really well. There is a kind of downside, which is that it's destabilizing. It challenges your life structure. So it's, it's especially difficult for people that are highly structured to work into their lifestyle. And it disturbs your routine. And people are more productive, most productive, when they have a routine. So this kind of goes into this idea of a rolling stone, gathering no moss, the nomadic life. And I've kind of been embodying this for many years now, having moved to, to Berlin, Germany, and traveling all within Europe to 50 of the 56 countries or something like that within Europe. And, you know, another few dozen more on top of that. And about that, you know... COVID 19 has really challenged my identity, if I'm honest, as a traveler. You know, before COVID hit, I was going to about a dozen new countries every year. And in 2020, zero new countries. I did take a road trip in 2020 from California to New York, and I went through several new states. So, If you're talking about new places or new regions, I was still keeping that up a bit. And I do think that's worth considering. I'll get to that in a bit. Um, I also flew back to my home base in Berlin. So I was still, you know, transcontinental in a sense, but it was different. It just had a different feeling to it, didn't it, 2020? And now that I've taken this first kind of trip in 2021, I am ready to get back out there and travel again. And I just want to advocate for this today. I want to recommend everybody plan a trip of some sort this year. It is time to get back out there. Now, I know a lot of people aren't quite comfortable or haven't even begun to process what it might mean to travel again. This is especially true for the travel industry, especially something like cruise lines, which were obviously... One of the like the brunt of COVID um, judgment or skepticism or something like that. Um, but in general, you know, tr- the travel industry has taken a huge hit. Tourism has obviously been decimated. And I'm very judgmental of that. I'm very, I'm very upset, let me just say, about the travel ban on the US and in other countries where people are not allowed to enter the country anymore. I think this is a travesty that it's continuing. Uh, I think it's just so offensive. It hurts me personally because I have so many good connections in Europe. And none of those Europeans can visit me here in California. Even if they're vaccinated, even if they take a COVID negative test, like this travel ban is in effect still. In June 2021, it's still in effect. And that's, that's awful. And it offends me that this is not a major political issue or a problem to most people. Uh, there's a lot of irony here, I have to say. I want to call out the left in this regard because it wasn't too long ago during the Trump administration that the left was up in arms about something called ICE, Abolish ICE was a major hashtag led by Congressperson AOC. She was really um, fighting border control. She was fighting against uh, immigration policy and wanted to just open all borders and let everybody in despite any possibilities of drug traffickers, human traffickers, drug mules, uh, etc, terrorists. And Trump obviously got a lot of flack when he suggested that a lot of Latin American Latin Americans coming into the USA might be, quote, bad people or not the good ones or something like this. You know he was he was like bold racist and everything for that. But it's kind of fair enough to wonder like people entering illegally like, their scruples, their intentions—like, of course, most of them are economic migrants who want a better life. But there's a reason that uh, children were separated from adults. Like, you don't know that these are their kids necessarily. They probably are. I don't know. I mean, I haven't investigated this topic at all. But I'm just putting it out there that um, I'm just setting up the scene that liberals, led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, We're trying to absolutely open all borders despite any risk. And now that same group of liberals is still advocating to keep borders closed because of supposed risk. And how ironic that is, how contradictory that is. It is a conservative personality trait to be skeptical of the outside world and to maintain borders whether that border be your own skin and your own personal space and air that you breathe, or the border of the body politic and the citizenry of a nation or state. It is conservative to defend that border. It is liberal or rather open-minded and daring to open that border and to prioritize liberty freedom, uh, freedom of movements, uh, excitement, adventure. That is a, quote, liberal personality trait. And liberals are on the conservative side of COVID-19. I just have to point that out, guys. Liberals in the USA are on the conservative side of COVID-19, wanting to keep the economy closed, wanting to stay at home, wanting to not risk their lives. There's a great article in The Atlantic called The Liberals Who Cannot Quit Lockdown. I recommend reading that. So I just have to make that point, and I I, I make that point um, out of despair, knowing that my fellow liberals, supposed liberals, are not on my side to open borders and let people in to visit us. So yeah, that's my little soapbox there. And it's in that spirit that my friends and I chose Miami as a destination for our trip. You know, I live in Los Angeles here in the States when I don't live in Berlin. And Miami and LA are kind of similar. They both get a lot of sunshine. They're both on the coasts. They're both kind of in the southern half of the country. And they both uh, welcome a lot of tourism and excitement. But there is difference and that difference is in how their their states are governed. Gavin Newsom governs California and we're still wearing masks. Basically, we still haven't opened up fully. June 15th, 2021 is the set date coming up to have the state fully opened. Whereas Rick DeSantis, sorry, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida who barely won. Barely barely won against his Democratic uh opponent and one wonders how life might be different if he lost. uh, Governor DeSantis has had Florida open for over a year. Florida has been wide open for over a year and its COVID cases are no worse, proportionally speaking, to California's. It is doing fine. It spiked in the winter months of seasonal flu and it is going rapidly down just like California. And yet these two places feel very, very different for somebody standing (laughs) in one of its cities. And my friends and I were just very curious about seeing that. And it was wild, man. It was a fun sight to see. Things really are wide open in Miami and there were parties packed with people dancing shoulder to shoulder, breathing in each other's space, you know, drinking and taking drugs. And it was a blast. I'm just gonna say that. And I say this as my personality type, somebody that seeks out this kind of thing, somebody that enjoys this kind of thing, somebody that's not afraid of this kind of thing of course it makes sense to take precautions. I'm vaccinated. My friends are vaccinated, with an exception. And, you know, it's not like we're so foolish as to just jump into super spreader events and be uh, reckless and endanger our friends and families. That's not the point. The point is that we look at the evidence, we look at the numbers and we see that Florida is actually doing just fine and that, you know, COVID feels over to us, honestly. Obviously, that's a privileged perspective. It's not over in plenty of parts of the world, but you have to consider how and where COVID really spreads. And it just really isn't in these kind of affluent party situations. So we were excited to go to Florida and experience what a red state feels like during COVID. You know, a year ago when I took my road trip, I drove through all these red states of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Nebraska, Iowa. And it was similar, you know, like even Republican governors at that time were closing down, DeSantis had Florida closed for the month of April last year, but he opened in May and it's been open ever since. You know, so it's not like they're like absolutely against these kind of policies. Again, to reiterate, maintaining a border and monitoring danger is a conservative temperament. It is a conservative behavior. So conservative governors did do that, too. But somehow they've also just prioritized the economy. I guess that's a conservative thing, too, or a fiscal conservative to want the economy be the economy to be open, for money to flow. Um, I'm of a mixed opinion about some of this stuff. I don't know Ron DeSantis' politics through and through. I'm not about to go and vote him president. But I do really appreciate this this motive to let people live and let money move around. I just don't think that's a conservative point of view. I think that's a at most a libertarian point of view and I endorse it. Fundamentally, I just believe in experiencing life and locking down and quarantining is one experience, but I don't know about you, but I think it's been enough for most of us and it's great to have places to get back out there. Originally, my friend group was thinking about a Caribbean island country like Jamaica or the Dominican Republic, and I was really pushing for one of these because I do like to add to my country count and see new places and build my general knowledge of of people groups and cultures. But these places had lockdowns. These places had curfews. Even in deep May, when these island nations are totally vibing and the sun is shining, apparently their COVID rates are not acceptable and they're being very cautious, which, look, I don't know everything. I'm ignorant on the details. These are more impoverished places. They might not have the resources or the abilities to contain the virus otherwise, and maybe welcoming a bunch of tourism isn't the way to go for them. Okay. You know what I mean? I just, I think it's too bad because I'm eager to start traveling again. And I will go to the places that let me go. (laughs) And I just, I think that there should be more of them. I, I just think at the end of the day, we have to accept that there is risk in life, that this virus is a thing, but that we've generally speaking contained it. And moving forward, we need to, we need to just adapt to that and live properly to live with hygiene and social distance maybe, like personal space built into our lifestyles. But we have, to have, like, we have to have open business, we have to have open travel. It's just inevitable. So let's figure that out. So yeah, we didn't go to these islands that I was curious about. And in the end, I'm fine with it because Miami was so fun and, and enriching on its own. In fact, we were going to explore another part of Florida, the Gulf Coast of South, Southern Central Florida, Tampa Bay region. And we just decided not to because Miami was so kind to us. We just had such a nice time that we just canceled our little road trip plan uh, and just stayed in the Miami area. And um, just to nerd out a little bit on geography, I want to explain exactly what I'm talking about so Florida is this protrusion off the mainland of the the continental U.S. And at the very eastern southern tip is Miami. And its metro region extends northward through Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach. And demographically, this is very Afro-Cuban, very Latin. Uh. They're also mixed in, like, an older Jewish population. And um, generally speaking, it's a little more liberal. And it's about nightlife and the sun and the sand. And that's not necessarily the case around the rest of Florida. I'm not sure what Tampa Bay is like, but it's a little different, I'm sure. Orlando is a lot different. It's uh, the tourism capital. uh, Pretty typical in its um, appeal, very mainstream, Disneyland and Disney World and such. And then further north of there is basically Dixieland, the deep south. The panhandle of Florida bleeds into Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi. So cities like Tallahassee or even Jacksonville probably have more in common with like Atlanta and Montgomery and mobile than they do with miami so i'm talking about about a very distinct place which is southern florida um so i just want to put that out there and also a thing i failed to mention a major difference between florida and california is humidity so in california like it actually gets cool in the evenings even now in june the nights are not warm you need um a sweater, basically, a pullover at nighttime. Whereas in Florida, it's hot always. It's like very, very, very pleasant at nighttime. Just t shirts and even shorts and whatever you want. And I think that leads to the sexiness, that leads to the fun, you know, people just being out and feeling very free and natural. Um, the weather has a lot to do with that. Weather is a big deal. I really do actually prefer the California climate. But when I travel, I consider weather all the time. What season am I traveling in? And what weather am I seeking out? And what weather am I escaping? This also brings up this main dichotomy that I have going on in my mind as an existential traveler, a branding term that I almost went with for myself in the years past as a travel blogger. But um, let me just uh, indulge in this for a bit, this kind of philosophy of travel, there's this idea of escape, which is fine. But when you think about escape, you, you might think about like escaping to what, and are you distracting yourself from life? Are you leaving something behind versus the language of, uh, seeking out, and being attracted to something and going there because it's drawing you. It's a slight difference, but the difference between attraction and distraction is what I'm talking about here. And I felt attracted to Miami. It wasn't that I was bored or annoyed or upset with California. I wasn't looking for a distraction from my life. I was just very curious to see what Miami would be like right now. And to experience it as an adult fully, rather than the glimpses I've caught of, it th- caught of it throughout my life. And I think that's an important distinction to make as travelers. Find something that you're genuinely attracted to. Are you a beach person? Do you crave the waves on the sand? Are you a mountain person? Do you seek the great heights and vistas and uh, the fresh air? in the clouds, as it were, define that, define what attracts you and seek it out. Running away is another thing, you know, and I definitely can relate. We all want to escape some of our rut, our dreariness in life, you know, the mundanity and, uh, you know, incessant minutiae of daily living. It's very relatable. We can all get that. And in that case, any destination will do, but I, I ask of you, dear listener, to plan a trip and to really consider what motivates you, what you are looking for, and to consider the setting, the weather, the environment, the climate, and also the people, the culture. Who are you with? How are you traveling? Do you have a life partner or a romance? There are some places better suited for that. Do you have parents or children? There are places more family oriented. Are you traveling with a group of friends like I just did? Well, you might be more suited in big cities or cabins that you can rent out than in small towns, for instance. Or are you a solo traveler? I've done a lot of that in my life and it's, it's very rewarding because when you travel alone, you really are following your own whims. And that is a really educational experience. It's very enriching to really understand what you want and where your interests take you minute by minute, untethered with no other, uh, planet in your orbit, as it were another friend or something are you a guy or a girl? This shouldn't really matter, but if you consider the entire world as a destination, it might, unfortunately. But by and large, it won't. Solo travels can happen anywhere and everywhere, and there are just so many entry points, from hostels to, uh, you know, kinds of excursions you might plan for yourself, what kind of hobbies you're interested in. I do a lot of photo walks personally, and those can be done everywhere. And it's it's a great way to see a place. Um, if you're into food, obviously that's a big thing in most places. But these things need to be really considered and prescribed like a doctor would write you a prescription. If you are suffering from malaise, uh, a really exciting destination like Miami or like, uh, Berlin might be appropriate. If you are burnt out because your work takes a lot out of you day to day, maybe something a little more relaxing, like, I don't know, Hawaii would be in order. So these are like, I guess it's common sense, but it needs to be really considered when you plan trips. What are you going for? What's the purpose And there usually is meaning in traveling. It's not this void of empty hedonism. It's not meaningless. Builds meaning into it. To me, that's what makes it so enriching, is that the travel serves a purpose in my life in some way. And maybe that is just general enrichment and understanding, as well as fun and chance encounters and possible romance. But overall, there is a point to it. I'm not just frittering away my days and idly passing time. I'm trying to make the most of it. And that is, I guess, a mindset more than anything else. But I think what I love about travel so much is that it distills life into a finite amount of time. Something bite-sized, something that you can get your mind around and grasp. Versus, like, the near-endless feeling of life in its entirety. It just feels like there's so much time in in the world. Why bother doing anything right now, you know? But when you travel and you define, I'm here for four nights. I'm going to visit this town for one day. I have just this one week to really experience it all. It really puts parameters on the experience that propel you to fully feel it. And I think that's just a great thing. Uh, You have to plan properly. You have to clarify your goals and your interests. And some of us in life have a harder time doing that because it's so immense. You know, the grandeur of a human lifetime makes it difficult for a lot of us to put our plans in place properly. But a trip can do it. I feel good coming back from this one. I feel rejuvenated and I feel excited about planning more trips in Europe when I get back there this summer. I want to see more. I want to build on my bonds there and create new memories and experiences. I have learned some lessons from Miami. I don't need to be as voracious in the experience. I don't need to party every single night, for instance, and I could watch my health and be a little more conscientious of bacteria and viruses. I was almost defiantly not doing so in Miami, feeling invincible, if I'm honest, and I'm not. And, you know, it's taken its toll a little bit on me. So I'll be aware of that next time as I'm moving around the planet I'm always cautious, of course, in airports and on buses and the like, but once you start letting loose and relaxing and easing into your environment, it's easy to drop your guard. I think that's also why we have curfews and uh, lockdowns in place, because people do let loose and become uh, less careful when they're drinking. Be that as it may, COVID is ending as a thing, as a dominant force impacting our lives, we will return to normalcy. And I really want to encourage everybody to get into that spirit, to accept the next roaring 20s, to get excited about life again, and face it head on with enthusiasm. That's my prescription. Of course, everyone, handles doses differently and maybe you just need a little bite a little taste of that versus an entire heaping spoonful your mileage may vary I just I really feel strong in my advocacy to travel to move around and to get back out there figuratively and literally I hope that helps um something, (laughs) maybe it just sounds annoying. Uh, I know I got a lot of uh, interesting feedback from my Instagram stories on this trip at Keith Pictures, sharing my my adventures. I know it was really annoying for some of you (laughs) to see this stuff and take in this surreal imagery and just be envious, perhaps. Uh, I know a lot of people also were admonishing me Wondering if I was staying safe enough or if I would die from this kind of excursion. Rest assured, I think those fears are a bit overblown, obviously. But this is not just for me. I think it's out there for everybody. And it's just a matter of getting into the mindset of accepting that the world is our oyster, as it were. That we can get out there and do our thing. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys out there, um, as well as continuing our online relationship as such through this podcast and elsewhere. Find me on Patreon at Key Thinking. Find me on Twitter at Keith Thinking. Uh, I'm going to start a Substack soon about other adventures I'm having that'll be in my written format once I get back into that habit. Until then, I'll plan on doing another podcast soon enough and we'll talk to you then. So until next time.